Yesterday's speech by President of the United States. Now, there are those who are furious about it. There are those who are heartbroken about it. There are a lot of you out there that are donning your Cassandrian togas and are predicting the end of everything. Others are begrudgingly acknowledging that the president may be correct in his assessment, even as he has bungled the final actions. Questions today are many, and they are, well... (laughs) angering i guess in a lot of ways bill's back still uh, still covid negative yeah i took my test this morning and i'll have results by this afternoon so chances are i'm back on the air tomorrow could be are you yeah. excited about that you know what i kind of got into this routine and not getting up at three in the morning so you get paid I the same fried some sausage baked some biscuits a while ago i had a good morning you, you get paid the same with you are <laughs> That's exactly right. So, well, that won't last long if I'm no, not in there doing the show. No, that's, that's a problem. Yeah. I, yeah. Always, I always hesitated to go on vacation when I'd go on vacation when I was on the air. And right. I would, I would, uh, I hated doing best ofs. I mean, I'd do right. them for like a holiday or something, but I hated doing best ofs because they were, it's hard to be evergreen in talk radio. That's true. Now we could because we had Constitution Thursday and fun with news and that kind of stuff, but, but... So what I would do is I'd get guest hosts and I would love to come back from vacation and have the general manager pull me in and say, that guest host was terrible. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, "Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Because I don't want a good guest host. That's That's exactly right. (laughs) Which, of course, I I always wonder why I never got guest host opportunities. And I thought, well, I, I comforted myself by saying, they just don't want the competition. There you go. See? But I don't know if that was real or not. So are you familiar with the myth of Cassandra? No. So Cassandra was an ancient Greek myth, right? I, mean, I doubt she was real. I mean, there probably was a Cassandra. Or, or 500, yeah. But she was blessed by the gods with being able to foresee everything that was going to happen. So she had... The vision. I was going along the lines of physical attributes. Well, Thanks, she was Dave. she was beautiful because all okay. ancient Greek mythological women were, but of and course. They, they always had the left arm bear, the bow arm bear, as uh-huh. Adonis, as uh, Apollo said in Star Trek. Um, the the gift that she was given was she could foretell everything, and she was at the same time the. <laughs> the gods, jealous as they were, uh, one of the gods cursed her at the same time. So she could see everything, but her curse was nobody would believe her ever. So <laughs> that's, so she was CNN before CNN was around. In, in some ways, except yeah. that she's predicting <laughs> the future, not trying to tell you, you know, the news, but what to think. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Sparta is going to attack tomorrow. Oh, no, they're not. <laughs> no, they're right. not. Sparta attacks the next day, and basically everybody just blows her off. Well, you were wrong because of this, that, or the other. Uh, the group ABBA, the super group ABBA back in the 70s, yeah. who everybody yeah. loves, and if you don't love, you should not be watching this show or listening to this show. Uh, exactly. The, the super group ABBA actually did a song called Cassandra, which is really probably one of their best pieces of music. Doesn't uh-huh. get played a lot, doesn't get... 
but I encourage people to go listen to it because it's a no, really I've good. I've got to go look for it because I enjoy them anyway. Yeah, everybody does, with the exception of one song that we can't listen to here. So, um, the what pop you listen to Dancing Queen because it was my wife's song with her sister who passed away a few years ago. So we can't listen to that without tears, and so we just don't even play it. Anyway, I actually used to play Fernando for a union activist caller that called the show because he was always trying to stir something up. Right. So I don't know about your social media feed, but my social media feed for the past 24 hours has been filled with Ron Paul was right posts. Don't know if you've seen them or not, but... I've seen a couple, yeah. Here's uh, here's the problem, you know, the, 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 they're treating Ron Paul as if he's Cassandra. Well, nobody listened to him, which would be impressive if it was true, but right. it's not. So that's part of the problem. The president's press conference yesterday was, I don't know, your, your impressions of it? Did you even watch it? <laughs> Actually, I did. And I won't normally. Right. But. After you and I talked yesterday, and you made the predictions that today would be here, and it is. Um, Nobody believed you were, me. You were right on it. Um, as I sat and listened to him, despite his horrible delivery, despite the text I was receiving about his eyes not moving, his, his head's not moving, he's just he's just standing there. And, and well, he's afraid of moving off the teleprompter because he can't find his way he's back to it. He's not blinking. There. I'm watching the replay. Yeah. He's not blinking. Yeah, that that was part of it too. And getting through all that and getting to the words, I don't think he's far from wrong. Right. I, I, I think there's very much of what he said that you and I talked about yesterday on the podcast, and that we have been there forever. Do we want to be there forever again? And when is it time? to say enough's enough. And that really becomes the question. He he started his speech by saying, by quoting Truman, the buck stops here. Right. Which, again, I'm okay with. I mean, look, I'm not going to blame President Biden for Afghanistan, the war. I mean, he's only been president for eight months, nine right. months, something like that. Now, he was in the Senate when we went to war. Yes, he was. And, and unless I'm mistaken, he did vote for the authorization of use of military force. So I think he bears some responsibility in that. But he did take responsibility as president of the United States. The buck stops here. Well, we would have agreed with him when he voted for the authorization based on go get bin, bin Laden, stop their capability of bringing terror to our shores. Can I back you up right there? I would not have agreed with that. I, I, I oppose the, the OMF uh, authorization for use of military force. Because okay. it's, it's, it's unconstitutional. If you want to fight a war, Congress, declare, declare freaking war. war. Yeah, I, I get that. But against who, when you're talking about an ideology as opposed to about a, well, a, a nation state? Afghanistan was run by the Taliban. That's who we were essentially declaring war on. So I, I mean, it's a moot point now, 20 years later, but we're still operating on the same oomph. And every yeah. president says, four presidents now have used it, as he said, to authorize every military action that this nation has taken in the last 20 years, whether that's the invasion of Iraq, whether it's the invasion of Chad in Africa, uh-huh. you know, we, we've, the, the Senate, the, the Congress has lost the bubble on this, but, but not surprisingly so. I mean, the Congress of the United States has been trying to get out of responsibility for anything since 1798. So who's surprised that they don't want to declare war? Mm-hmm. This way they can blame a president. At any rate, 
Um, the the twenty year sense. He's not wrong about that, and and his his comment about you know how long are we going to keep doing this, which isn't a quote, that's a paraphrase. I actually agree with. Yeah. But there is an uncomfortable question to this that we still have to get into. I think what bothered me the most is the, I don't know if you've seen the picture this morning. There's actually a picture of the teleprompter as he finishes his speech, wheels on his heels and leaves out the door. I did not see that. The bottom of the teleprompter says, quote, leave now. Ah, that's funny. I mean, at what point does a president actually need a teleprompter to tell him to leave? Who decided that? Hey, did the president decide, well, I'm not going to take any questions and say, well, I'll just leave now. Who put that in there? That's that the certainly question. tells you somebody's bossing the president of the United States around, doesn't it? And it makes me wonder who. I spent yesterday going through responses to his speech. I was particularly interested in the, the VA and the DAV responses to that, as I am mm-hmm. a life member of the DAV and the VA, I'm, I'm a disabled vet, so... I pay attention to what they're saying. And their responses were measured and it's the word I'm looking for, Bill. They were precise in the sense of there was no political judgment about the content of the speech. What they're concerned about and what a lot of people are concerned about is this is going to depress veterans. And they just use that term veterans across the board. And we're going to see a jump in a potential jump in suicide rates for veterans. Are we? I don't know. I I don't know. It's certainly possible. Yeah, and and it's something convenient should there be a spike to lay it on. But I'm I'm not convinced that's the case. I'm convinced that those who have those issues are having them regardless of what's going on around this. And if they are, other than very recently returned from service, they're dealing with it or not dealing with it, as the case may be. I don't think this has an impact. The The DAV was particularly concerned with Vietnam veterans as well in this because it, it might trigger memories of Saigon and, and Vietnam. And and I, I don't – I have a hard time with that, Bill. I really do. I have a hard time with this idea that suicide is being driven by political – geopolitical events. I just – to me, that – the damage may have been caused there, but it's going to, you know, what's the word? It's going to happen anyway. Cassandra, Cassandra weighs in here. If you're, if you're in susceptible to that, and if you're thinking in those terms, whether Kabul falls or not to the Taliban isn't the deciding factor, is it? No, I, I can't no, imagine I that think it, so. is. It, it could be our favorite word. It could be a triggering event potentially, but. It is far from being the cause. Right. The DAV was was particularly concerned about that. The VA put out a we got one of those high priority messages yesterday. Okay. If you're a VA member, big red star on mine. I don't know about anybody else's, but the. Um, by the way, I got a bill from the VA yesterday too. I got to pay. Really? I got a sixteen dollar bill from the VA. I got to take care uh, from from two years ago. They just now sent me the bill. Anyway, that's completely aside. The there was another comparison to it that I want to get into in a little bit, but the the overall impact of this long term, as we get into the Cassandrian ideology here, 
there were a couple of tweets, a couple of articles, one of which is from a rabbi who I hold in, in high regard, David Wolpe. Wolpe, I guess is how you say it. I say it Wolpe, but um, his tweet was very simply this. Those of you that are, I don't know, haranguing, how did he, he, he used a word that I've forgotten here. Let me look it up real quick because I've, I've got it. Um, dun, dun, dun. I wish some of the people decrying Kabul would realize that they are urging the same fate for Tel Aviv. This was back. I'm having up, a little trouble making the jump. Well, this was backed up by a Times of Israel op-ed yesterday. Um, anyone who wanted Americans' backing, America's backing, should take a hard look at what is happening and determine whether U.S. support means anything at all. And I think, in some ways, I understand what they're saying because Israel is heavily dependent on United States support. I, I get that, and I'm in favor of that. But I'm in favor of it for different reasons that I would would have been for invading Afghanistan. Well, and Israel is a big boy and does its own to defend its own quite well, in all honesty. If our special operators were anything like the Mossad, we'd be far better off. Well, they might be, for all I know. But well, is, is that just, the difference? Afghanistan— I'm just saying they're leaders and they're willing— they are willing to fight their own battle, and you didn't seem to have that in Afghanistan. Or Although Vietnam. there's some information out there contradicting that as well. Right. Or Vietnam, which again, yeah. there's information out there contradicting that. You have small groups that are willing to do that. Um, yeah. Is that the primary difference? The fact that as a political entity, as a people, we've watched Afghanistan literally, corporately, not individually, but corporately, we've watched them for 20 years literally suck off the teeth of the United States and not do anything for themselves. And then when we took the teeth away, it's like, what about us? What about us? Right? Women are being raped and killed, Bill. Don't you understand that? Of course, the Taliban had a press conference this morning where they said they weren't doing that. But by the way, the Taliban has had more press conferences about this than the president of the United States. Yeah, so, absolutely. But they are media savvy. You've got to give them that. They, they were social media savvy, savvy before our government was, to be honest. Plus, they blink when they talk. So, yeah, there, <laughs> there you is go. that. Um, it, I mean, women are were being raped waiting, and killed. Were you waiting for that speech to go max headroom on you? I will tell you the truth, Bill. I tend to listen to things, not watch them. Right. So I had him on in the background while I was doing other more important things that I consider to be more important. Um, right. And, you know, it goes back to that, you know, 55% of speech is uh, facial expression, you know, visual, what you see. And when you Go hear- Go back to Kennedy Nixon. Right. Yeah. When, when you hear something, it's different than when you hear it and see it. Right. What I heard in his speech was not, if George Bush or Ronald Reagan had given that speech, I would have been fine with it. Right. If Barack Obama, Jimmy Carter, or- Joe Biden had given that speech, it grates on me. What does that say about me? Is it is it my politics or is it the content of the speech? Well, it could be the delivery because uh, it, it wasn't delivered the best. I did my best, Dave, to detach from it and listen to the content. It's like trying to listen to some of our favorite music when you didn't really know what the words were. <laughs> so I, I sat back and tried to catch the words, see what he was saying, and interpret the meaning. Right. Some of it was clearly to deflect responsibility from him and his administration, which I didn't think he needed to do. No, Bill, the buck but, stops here. Well, I'm yeah, president. I got you. 
yeah. And, and then here's why it's not my fault. And then the words themselves, I didn't have a lot of problem with. I, I thought he was, he was very correct in what his assessment and what he was saying. It is wrong to order. Is it wrong? He asked a question. Is it wrong to order American troops to step up when Afghanistan's own armed forces would not? How many more generations of America's daughters and sons? That's significant. Would you have me send to fight Afghanistan's civil war when Afghan troops were not? E mm -hmm. Even in that answer, he's being politically petty and, and correct. You know, he's got to say right. daughters first. But, 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 but the, the content, the general idea, again, it's, it's a legitimate question. How, how long are we going to fight this war? Well, Dave, women are being raped and killed now in Afghanistan. Is this what you wanted? I mean, my, my news feed is full of articles about Afghani women and Afghani transgenders and gay Afghanis who are terrified now that they're going to be murdered because the United States pulled out of this war. Well, they didn't have those fears before. Of course they did. Depending on where they were in the country, yes, they had those fears. Right. Well, go back in history, though. I mean, the Hmong people in Vietnam. My parents, as you know, were Salvation Army officers. Uh, they were stationed in West Adams, Denver Corps for years back in the 80s or 90s. I don't remember. And they had a very heavy population of Hmong people who had come from Vietnam. Who were the Hmong people? I hear you cry. Uh -huh. The Hmong people were our closest allies in Vietnam, closer probably even than the South Vietnamese. Now, they were an indigenous group of South Vietnamese and okay. Laotians and Cambodians, but but they were, they were some of the best fighters out there. You were talking about groups of people that were still fighting. The Hmong were 100%. I mean, they might as well have been waving our stars and, stars and stripes. I mean, they were Americans. They loved us. And we just left them. When we pulled out in 73 and 75, we just left them. Mm -hmm. And they were murdered. They were slaughtered by the, by the North Vietnamese, the communist Vietnamese and others, it was, it was pathetic. And, and many of them did manage to make their way here where they settled. Um, tragic. Post-war Germany in, 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 after World War II, I don't, see, we, send, we seem to think that the war ended, you know, in, in Europe. It was done, gone, right? That's it. Everybody, everybody raise your flags. We're back to normal. Hitler's gone. And all the shops cool. reopened and right. life was back to normal. And yeah. it wasn't. There were still groups of, what you would call, I guess, terrorists who, who were still fighting the war, were still fighting uh, across the, uh, the whole thing with, with, with this thing. But not just that, Bill. There were groups of French resistance people who had been fighting the Nazis for years who all of a sudden turned on the French people because you, had, you were a collaborator. And so their solution to collaborators was to kill, murder, and rape them. What did we do to stop it? Did we have a responsibility to stop that? You had Russian troops raping, killing, murdering, pillaging in Eastern Europe. Did we have a responsibility to stop that? See, at that time, my thought goes back to, as you transition back to civilian life, even with military presence, Civilian authorities have to step in and do those things. What about the Holocaust? 
when did we know about the Holocaust? Did we, did we really not find out until 1944 when they started liberating the camps? Do, does anybody really believe that we didn't know that about this? Now, pragmatically speaking, maybe there wasn't something we could have done. But does anybody really believe that we didn't know about it as early as 1940? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't have any I've knowledge. I've never here. believed yeah. that. Did we have a responsibility to do something then? <laughs> Jews post-war, did we have a responsibility to do something then? Is it our purpose, is our nation's purpose to defend every person, every group of people that find themselves in harm's way? answer's got to be no. And yet, what are we being told about Afghanistan right now? That it is. I, there was a fascinating post yesterday by a guy who who explained to us that the United States is like the doctor and the Afghani people are like the cancer patient. Now, stay with me here. Okay. So our job, you can't really cure cancer, but we put it in remission for 20 years. And we gave the Afghan people 20 years of, of good life before, they, before the cancer came back and, and now it's terminal. And so we should be proud of that 20 years, just like a cancer doctor should be proud of knowing that they're going to lose the battle ultimately anyway, but they should be proud of what they've done to give these people a good life. I have trouble with the analogy. I really do. Because there's a big difference in my view, I guess, between the cost of medicine and the cost of a life. How many American lives are worth giving Afghanistan 20 years of stability, quote unquote, that never uh -huh. was stable right. all the time, knowing that it was never going to last. See, that's, yeah. that's the problem with this whole thing. Even in South Vietnam, you at least had the idea that, all right, these people can, can survive just like South Korea. You, you had that ideology that got a DMZ, blah, blah. it was never going to work in retrospect, but at the time they thought that. I don't know anybody, even Ron Paul, who first on the first day of Afghanistan said, yeah, this is going to end with the United States of Afghanistan being our closest ally in the Middle East. No. How many lives was worth it? I don't know. I don't, I, that's the question that I have. I don't know how many lives was worth 20 years of, of fake stability in Afghanistan. Well, and it goes back to me to something we discussed yesterday, which was trying to change a culture that is either incapable or unwilling to change. Right. The culture is what it is. And when we expect different behavior from a culture just because we've been there, I think that's pretty arrogant of us and pretty ignorant of us as well. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of a Taliban kid. And an American, I don't know what to call him. I would call him a kid, but he's obviously a transgender, gay, flag-waving, not cis, you know, fluid, gender fluid, whatever. And it says, I can't believe that the Afghanis wouldn't accept our culture. <laughs> like, exactly the point. How much more lack of understanding do you need to throw out there? Right. It, it, that's how ignorant it is. Yeah, it's getting to that point. So the question I'm left with then is, okay, I get it. Some of you are really angry about what happened. Some of you are really heartbroken about it. 
was this the moral equivalent of ripping off a Band-Aid? You know, because if you, if you don't rip the Band-Aid off quickly, it hurts more, right? But if you rip it off quickly, yeah, it hurts for a second, but then it goes away. Was this the moral equivalent of ripping off the Band-Aid of trying to save Afghanistan from itself? Uh, I'd go beyond the Band-Aid. I'd go to, you know, amputating a finger or something. <sighs> Ow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it'll never be the same, right? It, it just, we were trying to provide something that was not going to last ever. And we were naive in doing it. Uh, at least it would seem that way to me. So should we be all that upset about the way the pullout was handled? Should we, should we really be that surprised by what, I mean, the, the, the administration says that they were quote surprised unquote by how quickly it devolved. Now, frankly, I'm no Ron Paul, but I think that anybody with the common sense that God gave cabbage could have seen what was going to happen. I mean, well, did they draw down too many too soon? Did they not leave enough there to protect their withdrawal and withdraw as safely as possible without having the plane jumping competition on the way out? And we're sending in another 4,000 today. Yeah. So it'd be up to 8,000, I think, is what they said this morning. If I if I heard the news correctly, it'd be up to 8,000 today, by the end of today. So we de-escalate and then we ramp up again. Right. And how likely... So poor planning on somebody's part. Right. Some strategic, very poor planning that led to the debacle we've seen play out on TV over the last several days. Right. And how um, likely is the possibility, Bill, that, okay, some Taliban guy takes a shot at an American soldier and all of a sudden we go, that's it, we're not leaving. I was thinking about that earlier this morning, and I'm sorry, but if you're going to re-engage, you need to re-engage to win and win completely and make sure the Taliban is eradicated forever, period. I'm with you. Just not sure how you do that, which brings me back to Cassandra. I mean, nobody actually knows the future. Right. A lot of people say they do, but nobody actually does. And, and all you people posting and sending to me, Ron Paul was right. Ron Paul knew what was Okay, number one. This has always been my problem with Ron Paul. It's not Ron Paul. It's you people. <laughs> you people are the crazy ones, okay? Ron Paul A was not the only person saying that. He wasn't even the first person saying that. And, and that's true about everything with Ron Paul. So, okay, <laughs> he was right about one thing, but there were a lot of things that he wasn't right about. I mean, if you're going to get into this predicting the future thing, uh, it was this day, Bill. August eight or August seventeenth, nineteen forty-five. That Animal Farm was published by George Orwell. Okay. Some animals are more equal than others. I mean, did George Orwell predict the future? Was he right? Was he the only one saying it? I mean, there was others as well. I mean, there's a lot of Cassandraism here, and it wasn't that nobody believed Ron Paul or nobody believed George Orwell. It's that from a practical standpoint. What were we going to do? What was Ron Paul's plan? Okay, we're just going to rip the Band-Aid off 20 years ago instead of today. Would it have made any difference? Well, and, and the other side of that is to not engage at all, which I think Ron mm. Jesus Paul yeah. would, would have said from the beginning. And, and that's I, I've called Ron Paul Jesus for years because that's how his followers treat him. Yeah. And that makes Rand Paul the baby Jesus. <laughs> because Ron Paul's followers treat him the same way. Um, and, and it's not that I don't respect views that they have. Right. But like you said, show me the plan, make it effective. Well, and be, be convincing enough 
to get conservatives on your side instead of poking barbs at them all the time. Right. And yeah. and stop being hypocritical. <laughs> that was yeah. the other thing with, with Ron That'd Paul. That'd be a nice part of it. Yeah. Right. Uh, if you're going to put earmarks in bills, then shut up about spending. Um, yeah. Bottom line is that 20 years ago, we had to get bin Laden. We had to. We, we, mm-hmm. we didn't have a choice. So what was the plan? What was the counter plan to that? Okay. Maybe going into Afghanistan, maybe going into Iraq. Bad ideas. I, I tend to disagree on Iraq because other reasons, but the, the bottom line is we had to go get bin Laden, but there were other ways to do it. And I'm not sure what the, again, I go back to, I don't know what the plan was. I don't think anybody knows what the plan was. I really don't. And I don't think anybody knew what the plan was for the withdrawal. I really don't. I don't think they had a plan. Well, certainly if they had one, it wasn't well executed and it could be very well poorly planned. Like you said, we just don't know. Well, it might've been perfectly executed for what the plan was. We, cause we don't <laughs> well, know what the plan point. was. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows uh, the future bill, but it, you know, even if you did know the future and even if you told everybody what the future is, nobody's going to listen to you No, because it, it, everybody has their objections. Everybody has their objectives and their positions and their biases and all that kind of stuff. So you can tell me about the future all you want. Bottom line is, even if you did, nobody's going to listen because mm-hmm. you're no different than Cassandra. Ron Paul is no different than Cassandra. And at the end of the day, well, here's another international geopolitical event that uh, we can talk about for a few days, but then we got to get back on this Delta variant thing. Because the Delta variant, Bill, the Delta variant is going to kill us all. Actually, it's not. That's the whole thing about it being a variant, right? No, 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 no. It's going to kill us. No, it's it's the unclean, the unvaxxed, the unmasked that are going to kill us all. <laughs> Come on, stay with the narrative, Dave. Okay, well, let's take a break, Bill. It's it's plausibly live with Dave and Bill today. You want to join us? Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com/slash the Dave Bowman Show or online at thedavebowmanshow.com. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Whitey. And this is Hank. And you can listen to our podcast, Two Pint Talk, on all your favorite podcast sources. So come check it out where we talk about two beers and and everything stuff. (laughs) Listen to Two Pint Talk on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Bill Mick from Bill Mick Live on WMMB in Melbourne, Florida. Hope you're enjoying listening to my buddy Dave or my buddies Dave and Rod, either way. Always good to hear them, and you can join me as well. I'm on Eastern Time, 6 to 9 a.m. every day at BillMick.com. Hit the Listen Live link, and you can pick up the podcast there as well. Morning conversation about the Space Coast, Florida, and the country. We do it every day with Bill Mick Live on WMMB. Now get back to Dave or Dave and Rod. So most of you know I'm not I'm a casual soccer fan. I don't, I'm not I'm not a diehard like Rod is soccer fan. I like one soccer team in 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 in, in England in the Premier League. I'm not a and I'm not getting up at three in the morning, Bill, to watch soccer, but some people do. But I, I've watched one game of the women's soccer team in my entire life, and that was the 1990 World Cup? 88 World Cup? When when did they first win the World Cup? The first time they won it, I don't remember. I watched that, that far game. back? Yeah. I had just moved to Modesto. Well, I guess it had to be 99. I had just moved to Modesto when it happened. 
Okay. It was a long time ago. That's the only women's soccer game I've ever watched because – because frankly, I don't know how you top Brandy Chastain talking, taking her shirt off after scoring the winning goal. I just, I just don't know how you top that. I really don't. You don't top that. I mean, yeah. That's the first one I ever watched yeah. as far as it's met the- up with friends, favorite sports bar. There are eight or ten of us around the table. And the cool thing about soccer is, as boring as the game is, you, you don't have to watch it. You have yeah. conversation around the table. And when the bar implodes or explodes because of something happening, you stop talking, you watch the replay, and then you go back to talking and, and eating. Right. You're in good shape. I like that. Right, which is great. Or, or you can drink. That's that's always my well, favorite yeah, part. Yeah, that, that was implied. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Even if you actually go to a game, which around here is a big deal because the Seattle Sounders, the – what the I forget the name of the league. National Soccer League? MS, M, M, M. Major League Soccer, MLS, Major League Soccer, right? That's think, it. Yeah. Are the like defending champs or something? And and it's worse than basketball, man, because they sandbag for the first half of the season, limp into the playoffs, and then all of a sudden they they come to life. But so we got that. We got the OL Reign, which is the women's team, which features one Megan Rapino, who is okay. now the spokesperson for Subway. Yeah, between her and Jared, they pick some winners, man. Oh, that just irritates the hell out of me because I love Subway. I know, I know, I'm not supposed to because but I, I, man, to me, Subway is. Uh, I know there are better sandwiches out there. I get it, but I do like a sub Subway. You know what? I'm kind of the same way. I've got one near the house here. Yep. Once or twice every week or two, I'm in there for lunch, just bringing something home. Right. And and I do enjoy it. Some of the others are a little bit out of the way. Some of the others just a little different. So Plus yeah, they're I'm, more expensive. I'm okay with Subway. Yeah, Subway's well, yeah, there's that. Subway is relatively inexpensive compared to some of the other ones. Which again, yeah, they're better sandwiches, and I get it. But sometimes, well, there's a reason why Taco Bell exists, and it's not because it's good Mexican food. That's very because, true. It's because for five bucks you can fill up and move on. It's like Little Caesars, pizza, pizza, man. Go get a go get one of those for five bucks. You, you know got what? Lunch taken care of. You know what we've discovered is even better than Little Caesars. What's that? Costco. They've got a good one, huh? Their pizza is. I mean, it's pizza, Bill. I mean, how hard is it to screw up? But for nine yeah. bucks, nine ten bucks, get a large. I mean, like twice the size of Little Caesars large. Right. Ben will eat that for three days. There you go. I like so, it. So, man, it, it, it works out. Yeah. So, anyway, so I, I do like Subway. So, they, Megan Rapinoe's that. She's also now, I guess, one of the angels for uh, Victoria's Secret. I have not okay. seen the catalog, and I... Not sure I'd put her in the category, but okay. Yeah, Victoria's Secret made this big deal about, you know what? Men are tired of looking at beautiful women in lingerie. Let's get... Wonder who they surveyed for that result. Yeah, well, not me. It's the woke culture, Bill. This objectifying of women is blah blah blah. So they didn't ask my wife to be one of them, but they got a bunch of other women, ish women ish, including I guess a transgender guy, to uh, to be their yeah, no thank you to be their models now, including Megan Rapino, who. I don't want to be rude or anything, but I don't want to watch Megan Rapinoe in a soccer uniform, let alone in underwear. I'm with you. But anyway, she's the gal. Megan Rapinoe is the spokesperson for the women's national team. She's the she's the face out front with the pink hair and the whole. Is she the captain? 
And is that elected or appointed? I think so. I think she is the captain. And whether it's elected or appointed really isn't a relevant issue anymore because what we found out is that, um, well, according to Hope Solo, who is the absolutely smoke show goalie that we used to have for the women's national team. Uh, yeah, yeah, gorgeous. She absolutely. used to be in the Nike commercials, right? I think it was Nike or D- I don't remember who it was, but man. I never saw the logo because I was too busy looking at yeah, her. Yeah, she was, uh, she should be a Victoria's Secret model. Anyway, right. speaking of objectifying people, so she. Um, <laughs> no, I'm admiring her beauty. I wasn't objectifying. Right. So she's no longer on the team. But dude, she re- she's hot. She retired <laughs> a few years ago because she's, you know, older, which is fine because uh, anyway, that's a, that's a direction I don't really want to go right now. But um, she retired, but she gave an interview this past week in which she described Megan Rapino. Now, I remember all this team unity crap about the team kneeling to yeah. to protest the national anthem or whatever else. Turns out that according to Hope Solo, who I have no reason not to believe, says that Megan Rapinoe's political activism bullied her teammates into kneeling before the national anthem before games. That the teammates didn't necessarily care or want to be involved with that. But that Megan Rapino, the team captain, either elected or appointed, quote unquote, made them do it, bullied them, is her words, into doing it. So as good as and, and I can't rate her on the soccer field because I don't know and I really don't care. But as good as she may be on the field, as far as being the captain and being the uh, the locker room leader, apparently not. Right. Other than she pummels them into submission. She's been uh, she's made a habit of kneeling before games. Been highly outspoken on a number of issues, including politics and Bill. Your favorite issue: equal pay in sports. Draw equal crowds. Draw equal money. There you go, babe. Apparently, oh, did I say babe? Yes, you did. Uh-huh. I'm not sure where that came from. Carly Lloyd was one of the team's biggest stars. I didn't know this. Did not kneel. So apparently, she had enough gravitas to tell Macon Rapino to pound sand, but. The bottom line well, here was is, good enough on the field to know that the coaches wouldn't let her bully the the player who, who right. is actually really really good. Right, which is what it comes down. To. This is what I said about the volleyball players the other day. Was look, if if you're good enough, nobody's going to care what your political opinions are. Um, right, right. But if you're not good enough, they're going to find a reason to get rid of you without having to quote unquote hurt your feelings by telling you 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 suck. You're not good enough. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Um, but at the same you know what, time, though, given her political stance and her political statements and her constantly being in the media, I'm not surprised to hear this from Hope Solo about Megan Rapinoe. I'm I'm not either. I'm surprised that it's taken this long. Rapino, Rapino. Yeah, whatever. <clears throat> Rapinoe. By the way, you can buy a Megan Rapinoe jersey here at the mall if you want one. I'll get one for you and send it to you. I'm pretty sure they don't come in my size. <clears throat> you know... <laughs> You'd look good on camera, Bill, on your show wearing yes. a Megan Rapino oil rain jersey. <laughs> With a subway bag on one shoulder. Right, right. And, you know, and a Victoria's yeah. Secret catalog on the other. Yeah, that'd be all right. Yeah, that'd be, be perfect. Uh, so in the middle of all this, though, Bill, this isn't even the best part. So Hope Solo, who, of course, is, like I said, a smoke show, coming out and saying, hey, you know, whatever. Now, the problem with this is, is nobody... Nobody takes Hope Solo very seriously because of her off-field incidents. Remember, she was charged with uh, spousal abuse and that kind of stuff. She was 
she was a, she's a little bit of a biatch if you get my drift. Uh huh. So you know, she was suspended by the national team for calling the Swedish team a bunch of cowards. Blah blah blah. But but what she says about Rapino kind of dreams true. Now in the middle of all this comes the report that Megan Rapino dun 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 dun. dun made anti-Asian tweets. Well, that should get her fired. Years I mean, ago, Bill. Teen Vogue, right? Years ago. Teen Vogue. Years ago, she made these. So anti- it doesn't matter. I know. She could have been 13, as I recall. 13 or 15 at Teen Vogue, right? right. See ya. Done. Could have been, but hey, you know what? Uh, she's Megan Rapino. So there, therein lies the question about this wokeness thing and cancel culture. Is she going to be canceled for this? Will she be canceled for this? Or will they blow off Megan Rapino? or I'm sorry, Hope Solo saying, well, she's crazy. Yeah, she's a bitch. You can't believe her. Right, yeah. right. How do, how do Which they... Is, how these do they things are the very reason we do in a handbasket every day on my show. Which you do at... always a story. 6.43 a.m. Eastern time. Yeah, about that, yeah. And it's usually one of these crazy stories about... It is. It, it's how... And, and you know what? And I know we've talked about him before, but give some credit to Bill Maher for at least having the courage to call his own side out and pointing out how stupid they are when they dive into this woke culture, this cancel culture stuff, and when they're inconsistent about it. But if you're on the other side, you have to die. Right. See, I don't, I don't know. I don't look at Bill Maher in the same vein, Bill. I, I look at him and I hear what he's saying. I like what he's saying. Uh-huh. I hear Ron Paul. I like what Ron Paul says. The problem is the people that are listening to them don't care. They, they're not going to, the people who listen to Bill Maher, who are on the other side, don't care. They're not going to change. Nothing well, he says is going to change them. Same thing happens with Bill Mick. How many years have I been hammering Republicans for doing the things Republicans are doing, wanting our side to be better at who and what we are, and those people don't blow me off right. because they don't want to listen. They yeah. don't care. They don't care. Same I mean, thing. Went to the same. I went through the same thing with you and Modesto and other. <laughs> here's a name. <laughs> here's a name you'll remember: GOP Bob. And uh-huh. If you don't vote for the Republican, you must. You must want higher taxes. Well, yeah. But Republicans are the ones voting for the higher taxes. Yeah. So exactly. uh, anyway, point being of all this that Bill Maurer. What's the word? There, there's. There's an idea here that's coalescing in my mind. Sorry, it's beaming in. The Captain Scotty's beaming it down into my brain right now. Okay, so how long can you say something, continue to say something, preach something? Because that's in the essence what Bill Maher is doing. Mm-hmm. And yet not put it into your own practice, not put it into your own beliefs. How long can you do that? Well, let's see. Because Bill Maurer, 20, 20 years of example in Afghanistan. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, no, what I mean is very simply, Bill Maurer will tell you, I'm still a liberal. I'll never vote for a Republican. I hate Republicans. I hate what they stand for, blah, blah, blah. But here he is preaching against what his own side believes, practices, does. And yet what has he done? Well, he's trying to, to moderate them. I see. I see right. it as, as he is being an analyst, much like you and I would be. And he's lamenting what they're doing by going too far but at and the end trying of the day, to pull then, them back. Right. But at the end of the day, if they don't come back, does he come out like, I don't know, Phil Spector, this asshat down and wherever he is and go, well, that's it. I'm, my party has Ronald Reagan. 
<laughs> my party has left. I didn't leave the Democrats. They left me. D- does Bill Maurer ever come to that point where he says, can't support this anymore? No. I don't see him because doing it. It's, it's closest to his points of view, and he will continue to try to pull them back. He'll continue to point out the error of their ways, which is what I appreciate out of him. And, and he'll continue to vote for those who will do whatever. Right. But at the end of I the mean, day, it's just another Cassandra. It's just. I have voted, even in my time in Brevard, for Democrats. I have too. When Bill. the Republican was a horrible candidate. I have even too. Even though I knew the Democrat was far left of me. I have too. But I knew he was honest. I knew what he'd try to do. Also knew he wouldn't succeed in a largely Republican body in the Florida House when, right. when we put him in there. We ran an absolutely horrendous Republican House candidate after we had one leave due to scandal. And and it's Florida. the, the Democrat was the far better candidate. He, he was right. the far better candidate. He served the remainder of that term and was voted out the next term when a better candidate was nominated. I, so. don't, I don't disagree. I mean, I've done the same thing. We had a, a candidate, a Republican candidate for Congress in Modesto that was and, – and, I don't even have the word to describe how bad this guy was. It wasn't that he mm-hmm. was evil. It wasn't that he was lying. He was just virtually, utterly and completely incompetent. But he had mm-hmm. the right name, Bill. He had the right name, a name you would recognize that's near and dear to your heart. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. I, I kind of, I, I, I see the picture. He, he had that name. And so uh-huh. he thought, well, I'm going to run for Congress. And when, when the votes came in, Bill, he was so bad. He was so bad that in a district that was basically 50-50, GOP, GOP Democrat, he lost like 84 to, not, to, to 20. I mean, it was, Boy, it was just, it bad, was just it was, bad. It was, it was yeah. bad. I mean, even, even the sheriff endorsed his opponent. Is so, that right? And, and the sheriff was supposedly in good standing as a Republican. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know that I don't. Was that Adam? Yes. As a matter of fact, it was. You know what? A lot of respect for him, uh, and I. That race between he and his yeah. former coworker opponent, who I voted that for. Was, oh, you voted for the opponent. I voted for the opponent. Did you really? Uh, that's funny because I found him to be a real horse's ass. He was, but at the time, at the time, I thought that's kind of what we needed. Ah, that's funny. I like. I, it. I did tell Adam later. I I made a mistake, but. At did we rate. do that debate? Did we, we did. do that at your we place? Did. We, we did. Yeah. We did. So the Salvation Army was really great to us in Modesto. They were wonderful people, and uh, we had a great relationship with them. Yeah. You being part of that. I was going to say the guy that was running most of it was, was yeah. really on your side. Yeah, and uh, that was our. That was probably one of the best political debates I've ever moderated, as far as it being rip roaring, rocking debate stuff. It was fun. But that, that brings me back to Bill Maher and the, the, I, I just – there's something about it, Bill, and maybe maybe this comes from my recent studies in, in my uh, religious classes. And you know, it's okay to say things. It's okay to, to say this is what I believe. But if you don't put it into action, what, what good is it? And I don't know that he's not putting it into action, Dave. Bill I Maher? Mean, yeah. Look at him and his job. Look at us and our jobs. Our job is not to affect the change. Our job is to have the conversation. He's doing that. He's doing his job. He's bringing the ratings to HBO. He's bringing guests. I watched a, a clip the other day of him and Megan Kelly. And Megan Kelly was just here back in June, had a great time with her at the Moms for Liberty event. And she was very consistent at our event, 
and with what she said to Bill Maher, and they had a very, very good discussion. It was a 10-, 12-minute video at the most. And uh, he's doing his job. He's having the conversation. It's not his job to change the Democratic Party. It's his job to point out the flaws therein, much like it is for me and you, to point out the flaws in you know, everything we see because we're cranky, cranky old white men doing talk radio. Okay, so let's take that a step further. Okay. How long do we keep doing this to little to no effect? At what point do we get frustrated? How much, how much of our lives, to draw a parallel here, is worth the uh-huh. cost of what we're our accomplishing? Or are we just giving them 20 years of slowing it down? And now you're sounding like libertarian, Dave. Uh, you know, it's still, the train's still going toward the cliff. I know that the guy. ship's still going to, to the cliff, right? I know, I know uh, that guy. Yeah. Um, by the way, I complete a side doesn't here. invalidate the conversation. Right. Look, look at 33 plus years of Rush Limbaugh and look at, I don't, what difference did he make? Well, he, he kept an entire industry alive on the AM dial. Okay. He kept the conversation and validated what many conservatives were feeling, but had no national voice to say. Um, we do that on a local level. Where mm-hmm. We do that now with the podcast on a national level, too. A little different there. But my job locally is to inform, and I hate the word educate because I don't see myself as an educator. I see myself as an opinion guy. Right. And it's here's what's going on. Here's what I think about it. Agree, disagree, I don't care. You're entitled to your own opinion, but be informed enough to have one instead of being a super voter who votes in every election but can't name you a candidate on the ballot or anything on the issues that are put in front of them. I vote every time. I'm a patriotic American. What do you think about this on the county commission? Is he a Republican or a Democrat? Doesn't matter. (laughs) They're disengaged. We've checked out. And I've seen people get engaged because of what we do. I've seen people whose lives actually have changed, not because of something I've done, but because of something we've talked about that caused somebody to engage and make a difference for somebody else. I, I too have seen that, but I still run into that existential crisis of, am I making any difference here at all? Which kind of like Afghanistan. I mean, mm-hmm. did we make any difference? And sometimes I wonder, Bill, sometimes I wonder, why am I doing this? What? Hey, it's just like you said, it's my opinion. If you're coming here to be educated, I'm going to tell you the same thing I've told you all along. If you believe anything that comes out of my mouth without checking it out, you're a moron and you shouldn't yeah. be listening here. But goes goes back to your Atlanta guy. Yeah. Neil Bortz, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't believe me. Yep. Love Neil. I love oh, Neil. Oh yeah, me too. Neil was great. He's a good friend too. At any rate. By the way, he's smart enough to retire to Florida, Dave. He's smart enough to retire in an RV and travels with his mm-hmm. base in Florida because you guys have lower taxes. There you go. So um he was out here, out this way last year. Anyway, I, I have that same existential crisis all the time, Bill. I, I cannot tell you how many times I've sat here going, should I push that button or not? Because does it make any difference? And I don't know. Well, if- let me urge you to do this. Push the button and keep talking because it does make a difference. And, it, it, and if it makes a difference to nobody else, it makes a difference to the most important person you want it to make a difference to. And that's Ben. Yeah. I know. He's going to hear what dad said. He's going to hear what dad thought. He's going to have videos to, to look back when Dave's no longer here and say, that was my dad, dude. And look at what he thought about this. I, it's, it's absolutely worth it. Right. Do it. I just hope it's working out for other people. My, uh, my favorite story in the Tanakh, what you 
people call the Old Testament. Uh-huh. You pagans call the Old Testament. <laughs> okay. Is the, is the book of Esther. I love the book of Esther. Uh-huh. The story of the, the queen who, the problem with the, the book of Esther is of course the, the story is sanitized in the King James version. I mean, it really is sanitized. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot going on there that when you read it in the King James English or even the new international version, it sounds sweet. It sounds like a Disneyized movie of Cinderella or something, right? Okay. Remember that in the original story in Cinderella, the stepsisters cut their toes off to try to fit their feet into the, into the slippers. I did not know that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It's a nasty, terrible I see story. That Disney version. They right. need to do that at Halloween, right? It, it, yeah. In many ways, the book of Esther is read the same way. There's a lot of stuff going on there that is implied, but if you're not paying attention, you're not going to get Okay. Okay. So when I, the next time you read it, I urge you to to do that. But there's a scene in that book where Mordechai is talking to Esther, who is like, I don't want to do this. You know, look, I, what do you want me to do about it? And, and Mordechai says to her, who knows if this isn't the very reason why you are here right now. And Mm -hmm. a lot of Judaism is based on that idea of, you're here because you have a purpose and a mission, and you may never even know what it is. But until it's complete, you're going to be here. So you might as well do it. And I've always kind of taken that to heart. I, some days that's the only thing that keeps me going. Even mm-hmm. when I was on the radio, some days it was the only thing that kept me going. Because as we've talked about, I hate callers. So so some days it was harder than well, and, and radio, unlike right. this podcast thing. Radio has the built-in frustrations around it that may have nothing to do with what's going on on air. Yeah, that's yeah, – you, you have – you listeners have no idea how true that is. The three <laughs> hours on the air was the easiest part. I mean, yeah, it really was. Yeah, that's the fun part. Yeah. So it, was, it was the easiest part. But, it, but when I get the feeling that way, and I often do, it, that's – I remind myself of that, Bill, and it's the only thing that keeps me going. But does that apply in Afghanistan? I mean, did we have a mission in Afghanistan that should be ongoing? Did we have a mission in Vietnam that should have been ongoing? Do we have a mission in Iraq that should keep going? I mean, nobody's even talking about Iraq right now. No, that's so true. where does it end? Where's the, where's the, where's the responsibility end? And the only thing I can come up with is it, it ends when I quit breathing, I guess. That's probably a good philosophy. Yeah, but it's, it's so depressing. <laughs> I mean, it really is. I can't get there, Dave. I really, I really can't. All right. Well, that's my thoughts. What do you think? You can email me, Dave, at the DaveBowmanShow.com. Text me or voicemail, 209-565-DAVE. And you can find Bill at? BillMick.com. You can email him there, too. I think you got an email leak, right? Yeah, there's an email there. Plus, he's on Facebook, Bill Mick Live. Just look for Bill Mick Live. I'm on Facebook, too, the Dave Bowman Show. All those places yep. you can find the shows, uh, What the Frock is up there, and don't worry, I'm not going That's anywhere. welcome to Florida, Dave. No, it's what the frock. <laughs> WTF, welcome to Florida. Don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I, I just I just want you to know that sometimes my brain, sometimes things are not as clear cut as you think they are. And, and I think that's true of every person that gets behind a microphone. I think we all have those existential doubts sometimes. Sometimes, Bill, maybe not, but... No, but I'm not, pretty sure no. everybody else does. Where, where my doubts come in is, is after 20 plus years of talking largely political issues and the politics around them, that seeing that 
it doesn't get better because we don't get better quality candidates. We don't have a party right. that is, uh, on, at least on the Republican side, that's interested in improving. It's just imp- interested in maintaining R numbers, no matter who's wearing the R. And that's frustrating. And you want to give up on all of that. But that doesn't change the issues that make a difference for me and you. That's the thing. So don't give up on us. Don't give up on yourselves. Don't give up on anything else. Remember, you're here because you have a purpose. And until that purpose is done, you're stuck. You're not going anywhere. Martin put it in the jerk. You have a special purpose. (laughs) Yeah, probably not the same thing, but okay. Maybe not. I don't know. Bill, good to talk to you, man. Always, Always the same, Dave. Thanks, man.